The life of an artist consists of a constant need to figure things out. Those attempts to understand what we do, to learn our craft, to advance, comes with an inherent risk. And that risk must be accepted and pushed through if we're going to pursue anything in the arts or in life. The risk is that of failure. It's guaranteed we will fail. But in that, there is so much the Lord has to teach us that we can grow to be a success in His eyes and in the calling that He's given us. Howdy, disciples, and welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. I'm your host, Kurt Madsen, and I have as my guest on this episode, landscape painter David Griffin. Now, David's story is one of unending hopefulness as he tells us about how the Lord has been so faithful to him. He gives us a picture of the Lord as our teacher in every part of our lives and his grace to move us closer to him. You're going to love all that David has to share. So, let's get going. David Griffin, welcome to the Creator's Calling Podcast. Kurt, it's so it's so such a pleasure for me to be with you. It's great to be with you, and I'm thankful that you've included time, made time for me to be on this podcast. This is something that's important to me as it is to you. And I, I hope and pray that the words spoken today will be uh, what people will hear. and It'll resonate with someone somewhere. Uh, but it's the word. It's the Lord's words. And I'll be the, the vessel to speak through. Well, I can't wait to see uh, what the Lord does. You have, uh, you know, when I look at your body of work, when I look at the calling that you've had, and you read, just read about your life, uh, there's so many things that just sound fascinating. And just to watch what the Lord has done uh, throughout your career and throughout your life, just from what I've been able to read in that. So I'm just really, really thrilled that you've taken the time, and I can't wait to hear all that the Lord has for us in all of this. Wonderful. Same here. Well, tell us, let's start off here. Tell us a little bit about your personal background, you know, where you were raised, your family, you know, interests, things like that. And okay. from there, let's transition and start to move into the really one of the greatest parts of the whole podcast. I love hearing how people came to know Jesus. So, so let's start with those two things. I was born, uh, well, I was born in Fort Sale, Oklahoma. My, my father was in the army at the time during the Korean War. And, um, it's, I was a, I was a cheap baby. I, I actually saw the doctor's bill. I cost 10 bucks. So, wow. Uh, yeah. I, I got here. Uh, I got here in, in somebody's debt, the Lord's for sure, but other people's in, uh, included in that. But yeah, I cost $10 uh, for the, that was what the uh, delivery cost anyway. So we moved to <laughs> Lubbock uh, Subsequent to that, maybe I'm not. I'm going to say that I don't remember this, but I was told in '53 or '54. So I basically grew up in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, went to school, grade school, high school. Uh, 
stayed there and went to college at Texas Tech. Um, my background and my heritage includes no artist. There were no artists in my family, nor did I know an artist. Wow. Uh, so that was, so when all this came about, it was, I was the, the most surprised, I think. Um, uh, I grew up in a Christian family. Uh, five, ch- I'm the oldest of five children. Uh, my father uh, uh, was an entrepreneur, uh, a Christian man, as my mother both were, were, uh, were, were deeply committed followers of Christ. My father was an entrepreneur and started a, a chain of travel centers, truck stops. And so at oh. a very early age, my brother and I, probably eight or nine years old, started working at the first truck stop in Lubbock, Texas. Uh, as that grew, we, we moved around. We didn't move around. We stayed in Lubbock. But Mark and I would travel to the other stores and, and, and help out as we could. So we grew up working. Hmm. I remember uh, one particular story. Uh, I was about 10, I think, or 11. And my dad said, uh, there's a guy who needs a, fat, a flat fixed on his tractor. This is a semi-truck. So it, so by the time I got out there, that tire was probably up to my nose standing up, you know, the big truck tires. And so he sure. said, bust this down and fix it. And I said, I don't know how. And he said, we'll figure it out. So that's been my life is figuring out what, what wow. to do. <laughs> uh, so that, that's, that, that's uh, maybe of some interest. But like I said, growing up in Lubbock, I, I didn't know any artist. And, and in, the, in the 60s, I was born in 52. So by the time I was old enough to know, when you heard about an artist, it was usually a woman and it was usually a hobby. And so it really, no, I, like I said, I didn't know any um, professional artist. I didn't meet any professional artist until I was out of college and I had gotten accepted to a school up in New York to study as an illustrator. And I met uh, Mark English and Bernie Fuchs and Bob Peake. They were our instructors. So I, I, I my calling came a little bit late in life, I suspect. Uh, and so consequently I had to, uh, I had a big learning curve to catch up on for yeah. all the, for all the people that knew what they wanted to do in their life before 23. Well, uh, you know, what strikes me, David, when you talk about just your early life there and your dad, they had figured out, boy, I don't think there's any training better for the calling as an artist than having some skills in that area. Learning to uh, be a detective and, 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 and sort of isolate the problem. And boys, artists, don't we, Kurt, face that issue multiple times every day. Oh, yeah. you, know, you in the studio with the clay and I'm with the paint. And, and yet those are the best teachers, you know, the, the problems. Oh, become, boy. They become my best teachers. And so consequently, I, I used to fear failure like all of us have and, and, and maybe even still do. But uh, I learned years ago that failure was the only way I really learned a lesson. And that's failure in life, spiritually and physically and artistically and relationally. Uh, that when I failed at something, then I really became a better student of what was going on and so that ta- that taught me i was learning things about art before i knew 
that that's what I was going to do. And that is figuring out how to solve the problem or at least attack the problem or don't be afraid of the problem. You know, those that lesson alone is so valuable because it, I really like what you've said here about this whole thing with the fear of failure and that. That is such something that can just overwhelm us and keep us stymied in our walks with the Lord and in our careers. And you having this figure it out, taught, you know, brought into your life early on, uh, that's, such, that's such a valuable uh, a thing to have at that point so that you can progress forward. You can uh, move forward and you can, uh, you're not afraid to go out and suddenly seek advice and, uh, you know, try new things, that kind of thing. You know, Kurt, you speak about this uh, frequently on your own podcast during the week, The Creator's Calling. And you, you, you speak about, and you'll, you'll reference the Old Testament, New Testament, about how we are to move, what the progress in our life, how it, what it pragmatically or practically looks like. And without exception, you can go through the Old Testament, New Testament, and failure was a part of life from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so learning how to deal with that, and I don't have any I don't have any uh, special recipe. I, I just know that it. I don't think I'll ever outgrow that. And I'm grateful. Really, I'm grateful for those failures because those are the real, those are the lessons that stick with me. Those are the things that really, and they resonated with me when I heard, when I see other people admit to a weakness or a failure. I don't mean as an embarrassment, but as a, as God says in his word is, you know, when you're weak, then you're strong. And so we find strength in other people's uh, transparency. Hopefully I'm doing that to somebody else. I'm, I'm a, I'm a transparent person. I don't, what you see is what you get. So Mm. anyway, failure has been a good teacher for me. You know, I want to return to that uh, as we go through the podcast, David, there's some things there. I think you were really have to offer. Uh, in terms of that, that'll be really encouraging in that. So we'll, we're going to come back to that subject as we go through. Okay. Uh, let's let's start now. Uh, tell us, how did you come to know the Lord? What's your story there? Well, mine's not a, uh, it's not a flashy story. It's not a glitzy story. I, I was raised in a, in a Christian family. I, I don't ever remember not being in church on Sunday. I don't. Mm. And so that's... There is a blessing in that, and there's sometimes uh, a, a crutch in saying, well, I go to church all the time. Consequently, I have the right answer. I know how to do this, and maybe you need my help. And, uh, that I, I, you know, I mean, I say that in, in, in without uh, reservation in that I was raised in a very fundamental church, and, and almost probably could be classified as legalistic. And I do not fault anything from those days, but it is hard to unlearn lessons, unlearn uh, when, you, when you're a young person, you think adults, and they rightly so, they speak with authority. Mm-hmm. So consequently, I, I had to go through a, a, a part of my life where I wasn't, that, that I recognized uh, a passive uh, self-righteousness in my own life because of uh, that. And I don't, I, I'm not, a, I'm not ashamed to say that, but I, but I do know that a fact that I had to learn about grace hmm. 
I was not taught grace. I had to learn grace from from certainly from the spirit and from other people as I grew up. We we subsequently left that church and went to another one. And the and the second church is where I really became a a, a better student of the Bible. And I was more in I was I was genuinely interested in what the word said mm-hmm. and how that how that and and so my father moved us. He he recognized there were some maybe some. Uh, uh, roadblocks that maybe this other body of faith could offer. And it certainly did. Uh, in fact, the minister there, Lorna, I met my wife at church. And so we grew up listening to this pastor preacher and he ended up marrying us. So there was, that happened. And so consequently my memories of my, uh, second church home was, is, is really powerful. They're strong memories. They're they're guidepost lighthouse moments in my life. Mm. But I didn't have I didn't have a conversion story necessarily. I was twelve years old in the sixth grade, uh, and there was a citywide revival in Lubbock, Texas, on the on the Texas Tech campus in the basketball auditorium, and the whole family went, and we. If we weren't sitting at the very top of the auditorium, we were one row below the top. So mm. when I, I turned to my dad and I said, I'm going to go be baptized. I want to be baptized. I, I need to be baptized. I want to be. So I had about a mile and a half to walk <laughs> down some real steep audit, uh, Coliseum steps. Oh, man. So anyway, by the time I got down there, I had plenty of chances to say, ah, this is not the right time. I'm going to back out. I had plenty of, I had plenty of exits. I could have escaped. But what was interesting, when I get down to the bottom, my cousin is down there. He doesn't know I'm coming down there, but he's the first one I see. Oh, and no so, kidding. Yeah, it was my dad's sister's oldest son, Jimmy Bray is his name. And he, he's, he was about, he was a teenager probably 18 years old and I was 12. So he's six years older than I was, but that was, I, I needed, I I saw that familiar face and then everything, you know, it, it it went as it was planned. Yeah. So that's my, that's my, uh, my first encounter, uh, with the living Jesus, with the living Christ. And so I was baptized and, 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 Somebody saw me the next day in sixth grade. They don't know, you know, I don't act any different, but I thought I need to some, something about this needs to be different. I I, I feel different Mm. now. I don't know what that meant. Maybe I didn't get in a fight the next day. Maybe that was the one thing they noticed (laughs) differently that I did. I didn't get in a fight. I didn't get into a fight on the playground, but anyway, that's, I'm I'm not making light of that. I'm, 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 uh, everybody's story's different. Mine, came as a, as a result of my parents uh, living out uh, the gospel in front of me. And when I made that decision, I may have been a little too young. I don't know. But it, it, I, I know what I was going for. I, I, I wanted to be saved, and I yeah. wanted to have a relationship. And so that's... Yeah. Wow. I love that story, David. Um, the whole idea and what you said there it tells you a lot about how the holy spirit was drawing you and then 
that inner, I want to do this. Cause you had so many opportunities that you could have said, Nope, I'm checking out. Like you said. Yeah. Oh yeah. I could have found, the, just... I could have found the bathroom real quick. I could have found <laughs> the, in the exit. Yeah. The exit. <laughs> and you didn't, you know, and then you get down there and then the Lord has somebody right there that encourages you. So you go, Oh boy, that even makes the commitment even more. Yeah. Um, yes. Yes. I love that story. That's just outstanding. Really good. Uh, now, when you received the Lord, and the other thing I love about what you said right there is that the very next day you go to school and you feel something needs to be different. And that just is another one of those confirmations that the Lord's really touched your life at that moment. Yeah. And, you know, that you have that desire. I need to be different now. I love hearing it. It's sixth grade. That's great. Well, and uh, something I've just remembered, Kurt, I'll, and this is the honest to goodness truth. I have just remembered, and I have not thought about this since that happened, and that was someone did come up to me on the playground, a friend of mine, a, 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 a male friend, mm-hmm. a neighbor, and he was at the same revival. He said, I saw you got baptized last night. He said, that is really cool. Oh, wow. He said, That's, and I, I had not thought about that, that he looked at me and said, that's, that's wonderful. And I thought, who in the world would, I, I mean, how would I know someone's watching me? And then yet that come, and I had not thought about that. And I wish I could remember his name. I can see his face, but I cannot remember his name. But I thought, and so I look back on that and think, well, there's just one more confirmation, affirmation that, that my decision really was at the right time yeah. so anyway yeah. that's great and that is so good you know you never know it doesn't matter if you're at sixth grade going to up to get baptized or yeah. if you're at an art show and just the way you interact with somebody or that word that the lord yes. gives you to speak to somebody you yes. never know who's watching nope no and that's that's such a and you've mentioned this kurt uh, I remember maybe the time when you were maybe this past year in the celebration, art celebration, celebration of art in, in, mm. in Scottsdale. Maybe you spoke about that one day when you were there. And I'm thinking, you know, he's in that venue where he is with his art and he's speaking to us through a computer. And yet there's people walking behind you mm-hmm. all the time and they're and they're looking at things. And they're thinking, well, what's he doing? And I, I, I could only imagine that someone walks close and hears, the Lord has a word for you today. I don't know if those are the words you used. I can hear those words coming out of your mouth, certainly. And <laughs> and, and somebody goes, me? You know, you're talking to you. I'm looking at the back of your head and you're thinking, well, maybe he does. And so there are so many opportunities. And, and you certainly inspired us to be more, uh, winsome in that regard. It, you've certainly inspired me to be more winsome in that regard. But by, by the way, you've by, the, by your own podcast and and your demeanor and and character in that regard. So um, I heard you, and I saw it. So there's there's another word. There's another example of being somewhere, and someone says something, and you think, and wait a minute, you stop a minute, and take a breath, and maybe he's speaking to me. Yeah. No, I I appreciate all that very much, David. You know, that's the whole thing uh, with what we do 
is being able to be bold uh, for the Lord and just put the stuff out there all the time because it's so easy not to do those things. And um, just all these wonderful opportunities that the Lord gives us, you know, uh, boy, I love what you said there. That's just, that's just wonderful. Now you talked about something needed to change. Now did things change in your life? Was there like a breakthrough moment of some kind or was it more of just a gradual sanctification and you just, you know, got change changed more gradually is kind of where I'm headed. Yes. I think my, my life probably took on the changes of, of, of uh, a work in progress, if you will. And mm-hmm. I think now I can look back at my uh, life as a father, a husband and father, and I can certainly see things during those times that, uh, that, you know, there you're, you're cognizant of, of words, tones of voice, you know, things, yeah, yeah. Th- things that, you could have said that better. So there were, there are times and there are breakthrough, breakthrough moments here again. Some of them were failures on my part, but there were breakthrough moments when, as all of us have in our young lives, married lives that where I, where my faith was tested Mm. and I really had to depend on uh, the Lord in some very specific ways Mm-hmm. And there again, I look back on those moments and as painful as they were, I mean, there's still a twinge of pain in them as I speak about them, but as painful as they were, I can almost point to a, a, a not an about face, but certainly as we talk about repentance, turning back, mm. uh, refacing, you know, coming back face to face with God and, and, of, of maybe just sometimes it was desperation in a prayer and I, boy, I've, this is, I, I don't seem to be able to handle this. Mm. And so when I was the more readily, it's, it's, it's kind of, it's, it's not laughable, but I smile about it when I think about those things, thinking if you, as I look back, that was a tough time and, and, and you really had to kind of surrender again. Maybe this was, maybe I'm getting into the hundred thousands <laughs> repentance, but I look back on those and things, but look consequently what happened after that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we have moments of, of failure, of, of accepting that failure, repentance, whatever you want to call that, re, you know, just re- with God. Mm-hmm. And then a subsequent moment of, of some victory of some. And so uh, when I think and talk about those things, I think, why would I be afraid anymore? Because something um, I am being changed and the change is what I needed. That that's what needed to happen. So um, I may have wandered off in the weeds with that, but you can edit. You know, know, here's what strikes me about what you just said, David, in terms of, the the walking with the Lord and he gave you these things. And then at the right moment, he, he, you know, he brings you to a point of being able to turn. Yes. Say, okay. I'm coming back to you. And it's just what you needed to move you forward at that, for that next step in your walk with him and yep. that next step in his plan for your life. Yes. Yes. And those things fall 
in such a, a precise fashion with the Lord, even though we don't always see it that way. No, no, the timing is never perfect on on our on our uh, uh, physical end. In in that, well, this could have happened. Some does this happen to happen now? You know, does this mm-hmm. have to happen now? You know, yeah. <laughs> if you look you look back on it and think, yeah, it did happen to happen right then. It didn't need to happen right then. And the, but there are there are just I can think about moments and I won't go into any of them or any all of them but there are moments I'm looking back on and this is so helpful to to re kind of this is your life so to speak mm-hmm. and, and I'm kind of reviewing these elements and these events and these mishaps and I look back on them and now I can look at them differently than I did then I can look I can look at them with with a smile on my face instead of a a grimace in my or a a tear in my eye or something like that. So, uh, Oh, I love that, David. That's just great. Now, is there one particular one you could share with us just so we have an, I just, I think those things really help you have an example. There was a point, uh, in my painting career, I had been, I had decided to, to, to leave illustration and, um, and to decide just to paint professionally. And Mm. at the time, at the time I had, I had, I had come back from the school in New York. And so I had been an illustrator probably 10 years. And so I'm going to say, I'm going to be early thirties by that time. Okay. And I, I'm sharing a studio space with Bart Forbes and Jack Unruh down the, literally down the alley in my, in my studio in Dallas. It's a big house that I was sharing with these other, Oh, I had a studio and there were three studios in the house. Hmm. The gallery that represented me, who had just started representing me about four or five years before that called. And I won't mention the gentleman's name mm-hmm. because that's not fair, but he, he, this, he called and said, uh, David, you need to come get your paintings. We can't sell them anymore. And wow. I, I thought, well, that's never happened. I haven't had that conversation before. Mm-hmm. And so I walked down the alley, which was about 200 yards walked in the back as I had many times delivering paintings to them. And they'd sold a lot of my work and got me a, a number of commissions. And, and, and he was there to wait. And he said, yeah, it's over in the bin. Just go get them. And, uh, uh, I don't recall what else was said after that. I was sort of in shock, but I went back to the studio and thought, what am I? And he was the only one at the time that was representing me. Mm. I, I had the one gallery. And I thought, well, what am I going to do now? And uh, I mean, you're never whoever whoever wrote the book of how to bounce back from something like that checked it out of the library and never returned it because I never found the book. <laughs> I never I never could read about that. I, I had to, here again. This is one more lesson for me to learn the hard way, and I'm not sure. Certainly, I'm at. I'm responsible for what I paint and what I give to people. And I thought I was doing what I, he'd certainly so work for. But my point to that, to this is that I, I was faced with a crisis. Mm-hmm. And, and by that time I had, uh, we may have had three children at, by that time, oh. two, two for sure. My wife had been staying at home to raise our children. She was a school teacher and had taught and then, and then, and then when our first child and our children were born, she just stayed home and I worked and, and sold paintings as best I could. So mm-hmm. we were struggling, but this was really something that kind of came out of left field. Mm-hmm. 
so consequently, we really kind of had had to have some. I had to have with Lorna, my wife. We had to have some, you know, uh, different conversations. Mm-hmm. Well, are you sure you want to do this? Don't you mm-hmm. think you could go back and work for your dad at the truck stops? Do you think you could do this? And I, it was a moment that I really had to get serious about what, who I was and what I was going to do. To be honest with you, I don't remember what happened after that. I remember I just kept doing what I was doing. And maybe one day uh, I did go back to work at the truck stops for a while because that was a paycheck. Right. And so I did that and tried to paint at the same time. And uh, I look back and think, well, that was a moment that I really had to depend on more than I ever had before. My faith was tested to mm-hmm. Beyond what I thought I could handle, but I look, I mean, I'm sitting here today talking to you about 30 years of painting. So something changed and, and I, and I, and I'll think about this for a few days, thinking about what it was and, and I'll, and I, what I'll, the conclusion I'll come to is the Lord was always going in front of me. He -hmm. was always out in front of me. And I didn't know where, for I, as far as I knew, I was wandering off into Egypt, <laughs> as as the biblical stories accounts yep. tell, many a time. And and so, God is faithful, and it's and it and you think you would wish that it would be less uh, dramatic or or consequential or or severe, but. I look back on that. And I wouldn't trade it. I, I really wouldn't. I, I, I would think that's just part of who I am. And that's, yeah. and, and that's who I am with the Lord. Yeah. And that's how I learned one more time to say, I surrender. Yeah. Boy, that's just great, David. I, I'm so thrilled that you shared that story. Um, those, because those are big moments when yes. you ask the hard questions like that. Yeah. And, uh, and you really do have, as you said, you really have to trust the Lord through this and, and your faith gets tested. We all, we all need that. That's what's going to make us stronger. Amen. Um, boy, I love that. I love that. Uh, move now into how is it that you became an artist? I think this is fascinating. You're in a whole different world, no artists in the family, and you end up being where you're at. How did how did the Lord move you into your calling? Well, I'll tell you here it again. It, it, just one more dramatic story. I'm I, I've enrolled at Texas Tech uh, out of Lubbock High School, and uh, I, I I didn't know what my major was. I didn't I hadn't had any drawing or painting up to that point. I mean, art was just something I I did like to draw. I will have to say as I go back, I did like to doodle, as I would call it. I wouldn't call it really drawing. And so when I got to Texas Tech, in those days, you would stand in line at the Coliseum and you would go through up, they would, you know, A through G. And you would go through that line. And when you got to the table, they would say, okay, your name is, and here's your social security number and da, 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 your matriculation numbers, they used to call it. And, and he said, and what is your major going to be? And I thought, what? <laughs> I had been standing in line with a guy. Trey Sibley is his name. He went on to be a really successful oil man. We're standing in line. I don't even know him. We just strike up a conversation as we're walking. I said, 
I'm hearing up, up in front of us, Trey, that they're asking us what our major, we have to declare a major today. Well, I can spell major, but I don't know beyond that what that is. He says, well, I'm going to go into pre-med. And I thought, well, heck, that sounds pretty good to me. I'll just, be, <laughs> I'll just decide today I'm going to be a doctor. So, <laughs> so it, that, and that is really the truth. This is the honest to goodness truth. So I'm up there. So I just sit pre-med. And after that, I had walked on the baseball team and, and, and made the baseball team at Texas Tech. So I was playing baseball, or I was on the team. I didn't play all that much, but I was at least on the team as a freshman. Mm-hmm. And I was going through all these pre-med, uh, pre-med courses. So I, I, we rock on for another year into my sophomore year, and um, I quickly found out that my desire to be a doctor and my aptitude for a doctor were about as far – they were light years away. Uh, I was taking analytical chemistry and calculus and playing baseball at the same time, and the three don't mix. Oh, good so, grief. So uh, I got my grades, and that helped me decide that uh, uh, this was not my going to be my career. Long mm-hmm. story short, I had to – at that point, the Vietnam War was going on full blast, and I'd already gone through the draft once and missed it by two numbers, and I, and I needed to stay in school. And in order to stay in school at those times, you had to be a full-time student. Mm-hmm. So it, my, the spring of my sophomore year, I had to change my major completely from pre-med. And I thought, I don't know what it is. And so I thought, well, I, I, you kind of like to draw or you like to doodle. So I just didn't, I, I enrolled in, in art classes at Texas Tech. And to my surprise, to my shock, to be honest with you, I was in some life drawing classes and, and I got some pretty good grades. And I thought, maybe this is, so it just kind of rocked on. And then, Subsequent to that, or after that, one of my teachers had had sent some of my illustrations to a class to a. It was called the Illustrators Workshop, and it was in upstate New York, up in Terrytown, New York, Sleepy Hollow, right on the Hudson. And I got accepted, and there were forty of us in that class. And I don't, I, I really, literally, I should have been the janitor because I didn't belong in the class. There were, for instance, there was a guy named Richard McDonald a sculptor of some Uh note these days. Rick, you may know Richard. He, Richard was there as a painter. He hadn't started sculpting. And then there was another guy named Chris Payne, who I became really good friends with. And Chris has been on the, he's been on the cover of time magazine more than any other artist. He has more portraits and they're sort of caricatures, but they're, he, I think, I believe he has more than any, any artist in the history of time magazine. So that was my first, in, I, I, I actually was sitting down by with artists and I was, I entered, I was introduced to Bernie Fuchs and Mark English and Bob Peak, And they were the guys, they were the guys on Sports Illustrated covers, ladies home journal, good housekeeping. They were NBC sports. They were the guys doing all the art, artwork or a lot of it. So that was my very first encounter with being an artist. And I, I thought, boy, I have got a learning curve. So, mm-hmm. I will say that I did have one good, I had two good instructors. I had a, a good drawing instructor at Tech, and then I had a, a teacher by the name of Richard Cheatham, Dick Cheatham, and he had he'd come from California and moved to Lubbock and was teaching at Tech, and he taught us color theory, and he used Wayne Tebold as the art, the pies and the you know all the little things that Wayne would do yeah, and he was still teaching at Cal in California then. I'm not sure what the college was, but anyway, so I had a I had a really uh, well I had a uh, 
a better initiation into color theory. So I understood color a little bit, but I still didn't know how to paint. I didn't take any painting classes. I knew how to draw a little bit. So that's, this is, this is my, this is, this is how I started. And, 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 and uh, I was not classically trained. I, I learned from other people early on. I got a chance to study with Jim Reynolds mm -hmm. and he just taught one, one or two classes. And I, and I, and I was in that class with Bill Anton, as a matter of fact, that's where oh. I met Bill. Oh yeah. And so, and then I took one other class from Bettina Steinke. And I have to say that they both, they were both illustrators. Mm hmm early in their life Bettina was a, one of the first war correspondents sent overseas to draw World War II and anyway that was my initiation into the art world I have to say that probably even today I think about the old illustrators uh, Harvey Dunn and 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 N.C. Wyeth and Dean Cornwall and and those are the people I really gravitate towards still today mm -hmm. when i when I've kind of hit a bump in the road or I want to be inspired by some artist and then the Wyeth family. Yeah. I've, I've wandered off too much. That's how I started as an artist. You know, when you, you talk about, there's a, when I first started sculpting, the guy that's, and I came right off the ranch, I didn't know nothing. And he, first thing he told me was only look at the greats. Yep. Because if you look at the good or the very good, you know, you, that's where you're going to end up. But yeah, you're going to hit what you aim at. And when I hear where the Lord puts you in terms of you, not only your instruction, but then uh, having influences like a Bettina Steinke, like yes. a Jim Reynolds, I mean, it doesn't get any better than what those people were at what they did. And I know it ref it's reflected. You can see that certainly with Bell's, Bill's work. You can certainly see it in your work as well. There is a quality there that is really, you have such a unique voice in terms of how you present everything. And it all comes from these what all this wonderful background. Well, and I was unprepared, Kurt, for any of this. You know, I I was a sponge just trying to soak up as much as I could. And mm -hmm. and every artist I know has started out with some sort of desire to be something that's inside them that they can't explain. The Lord was working with me on this before I knew the first end, the right end of a paintbrush. I didn't know it. Uh and, and my story continues from there about where I grew up and what I'm doing today, subsequent to where I was and all those things. Mm -hmm. And it, it, it doesn't have, I mean, there are no accidents in my life. Exactly. I mean, that's the way I perceive this, uh, that my life has been one sort of, um, uh, nimble, uh, jet direction, directional change. And, mm -hmm. then, and then and, and those happen and and i think because i'm unprepared that i'm they catch me off guard in some mm -hmm. cases and i they kind of wake me up and so those are and like i said i don't believe in any accidents i believe we all have things that happen to us for a reason and yeah. so those are and i look back on those with with a smile on my face it's just great you know it's because it, just as you said if god is sovereign there are no accidents Amen. Uh, there's so I love hearing these stories. It's so encouraging for others too, uh, because you see the Lord moving in somebody's life in such a particular fashion, um, and just specific for them. This was just for you. How He put that together. Yeah, I agree. 
Really great. Now, I noticed, too, when I was going through your portfolio, uh, that you all have you have some wildlife as well as, of course, it's predominantly landscape where you're at now. Um, is there a do you still do some wildlife work or is it, it what moved you into the predominance of landscape? Yeah. Uh, well, to start off, with, I was uh, yeah, I mean, I'm up in my studio in Colorado and my grandfather was a cowboy. I mean, mm. that was his vocation. And I have his saddle in my studio, a 120-year-old saddle he used on the Matador Ranch. Oh, boy. So, so that was my first inclination, my first introduction into uh, storytelling, if you will, mm. my grandfather being that. So my first, when I really started to, when I came out of illustration and started painting, I was really interested in painting the cowboy and the cowboy's life. And so we had a small ranch and it, in Spur, Texas. And of course I was been around horses a lot of my life and we were raising cattle at the time. We kind of got into the cattle business for another reason other than, well, basically we were trying to produce cattle beef for our truck stops. Oh yeah. We were, we were going to, we were, we had uh, Brahma bulls and Angus mamas. And so we were bringing up, we were producing a, a Brangus a cattle calf and, and, and we were butching our, we were producing our own beef for our truck stops, for our restaurants in our truck stops. But we mm -hmm. quickly found out that that didn't work. Anyway, my point to that is that's where I started using the figurative, the cowboy, the horse, the cow, and, and the narrative of that lifestyle. I grew up with dirt under my fingernails. I grew up in Lubbock, Texas, where the dirt blows and you take it out of your mouth and you wash it out of your hair. And, but so that's where I started. But about 15 years ago, I really started to look at the landscape as the, what, where the real story for me is, was, and is today. And so I started looking because I'd been around and I'd certainly worked in the dirt and the dust and ridden horses and cut cattle and worked cattle and all those. I really wanted to, to say something that was mine. I, I couldn't compete with the guys that could really do the cowboy life. Bill Owen, James Reynolds, Bill Anton, uh, all the CA guys, just Joe Beeler, uh, Robert Lougheed. I mean, just go down the list. I, mm -hmm. Those guys could paint the horse. They could paint the figure, and they and and I could draw a little bit, and I was I had some success in that. But I really wanted to find something that I could speak with and speak about, and that's where the landscape come came. Uh -huh. And, and then the, the flat landscape where I grew up in Lubbock, Texas and the big skies and all that, that at one point I couldn't get away from that fast enough. And then now in my life, I can't go back to it enough. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to leave it so fast. I couldn't see straight. Now I can't, I can't get enough of it. So that's the value in what I'm doing today is where I grew up, my heritage and 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 the land and all that and and the landscape seems to speak to me i have used livestock of course i mean or wildlife i guess i've certainly painted wild horses and cows that act wild <laughs> but, mm -hmm. but I, I i've i've used it more as a as a um, exclamation point in my paintings i i I've used it a couple of times. There's most recently I used a red tailed hawk in a painting that I was working on in Wyoming. Graceful, uh, silent, graceful silence is the name of the painting. Mm. And I, so I use that 
with an exclamation point or a sort of a quotation mark. Um, um, I, I use it to help me tell the story and I, it's not the central location, not the central figure in the painting, but I, I don't shy away from it, but I don't use it very often. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't mean I don't want to, cause I'm up in Colorado here. I'm around all kinds of wildlife. And so I, my, my, my visual vocabulary is changing a lot about how to use a, what to use as a, as a quotation mark or an yeah. exclamation point. And the wildlife is that. Uh, yeah. So that may be in the future. I may find that that's uh, part of what I am and who I am. And, and, and that'll be one more, that'll be one more surprise. To that's, me. that's right. Oh, that's, that's very interesting. It's very interesting all that you said there in terms of, of uh, how the Lord led you, led you through that and just how you, this is where you wanted to end up at. Um, you know, as we talk about all of this, uh, what are some of the disciplines, spiritual disciplines, that you find really build you up to strengthen you and to move you forward in your walk with the Lord and in your career, you know, as well? Well, I think, you know, uh, showing up every day, uh, picking up the Bible every day, picking up the, the, the things that I'm familiar with, picking up the paintbrush, picking up the Bible, picking up uh, a book, a good book that I'm reading and, and be present with that. Be present with the word, be present with my palette, be present with the painting I'm working on. I think the disciplines are be about that every day. And, and, and so I don't, by now there are habits I've formed in my life. And those two are those things are the things that I can go back to as familiar, familiar as they are. I can still go back to those and find uh, a really a sense of purpose, uh, whether I'm sitting in front of a, the easel, standing in front of the easel, or I'm, uh, reading my reading the bible and 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 i don't want to come i don't want this to come across as self-righteous this is something that i i desire to to know more about both from the word and and from my painting and so i think in as far as disciplines go is just showing up every day and being present with whatever i wherever my feet are Mm-hmm. present wherever my mind is wherever my heart is is being being fully engaged in that and mm. and and th- that's discipline to me mm-hmm. i'm easily distracted so i have to i really have to make a point to be present and be engaged and be intentional about what i do on a daily basis and those things are part of that a part of my daily life Mm. That intentionality is something that is so easy to lose sight of. Yeah. Uh, because just as you said, uh, there's never been a time where I don't think when we, there's more opportunity for distraction. When you talk about the challenges you've had with the fear of failure and that, what are some ways? Now think about it in terms of this. How did the Lord guide you and how did you, how do you strengthen yourself? build yourself up in the Lord so that when this failure, and like you say, so many times they come unexpectedly uh, that you can say, okay, I'm going to deal with it this way. What are some things that you've learned about dealing with failure uh, that have really helped 
to move you along? Well, I, initially, as I think about the question, the first thing I, that comes to my mind is the word fear, just fear of failure, fear of the dark, fear of a confrontation, fear of whatever the fear is of. And, 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 and we know that that's one of the most uh, quoted out of Jesus's own mouth and as well as just scripture and purpose, fear not. Yes. Now, does that make me fearless? Not all the time, no. But I think that in my life, and this is just my opinion, but in my life, that the more I stand up to whatever that is that's, that I'm fearful of, my failure or a relationship uh, gone south or whatever it is, when I turn, when I choose to turn and face that, that's my declaration of saying, Lord, I'm here. I need your help. I'm not going to run. I'm, I'm here present. I need to stand up to, I need to figure this out. And, 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 and I can't do this without you. Mm. So consequently, that's what I fall back into. Now, during the day, do I f- forget that? more than I care to remember. But when I'm intentional about it, when I'm present about it, I, 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 I have a, there's, there's a strength that's not mine that mm. allows me to stand up to that. So um, that's where I would think that the Lord is continuing to work on me and with me and through me in those instances, times, events, moments that where I, I could just easily be distracted and turn and going up and instead of just facing that, whatever that is, that, that demon, that battle, that whatever that is Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and, and being present there. And, um, and I've seen other people do that in my life. My father, my brother, my sisters all have done that same thing. So I've, I've got good examples around me to uh, my wife, my children, that have all had to do that. And I've witnessed that. And that that's, that's a, a, just one more encouragement to me to be, but that's, that's part of the disciplines. And that's part of the, the, the getting over the feel of failure is just knowing that, that one, this is life. And two, not every failure is that yeah. the failure, the teacher is the teacher, the real teacher is trying to tell you something. Yeah. So pay attention. Yeah. Boy, I that you know that's such an encouragement uh, when we're faced with something like that. What you said about turning and facing it, yeah, and not allowing it to cause you to turn and run the other way, and to know that the real teacher is is trying to has something good for you out of it. Those are really uh, that's a powerful truth we need to get a hold of, David. Um, well, and, and be encouraged him. You, you and I both know. Kurt, on a daily basis, we face these things all, we face problems all the time. Uh, you can become even immune to the fact that your failures are so, or mine, are so frequent that you just get numb to it. Yes. But, oh, man. But, but there are some times when you think, wait a minute, I, this, I've done this 14 times in a row. 
something needs to change. And so consequently, I, I probably wasn't paying attention or I was or I wasn't being as an, as an intentional as I wanted to be or should be. So uh, that's when I when people ask me about being an artist, I said, the one thing you've got to be. And I've learned this the hard way. You've got to be as courageous as you know how to be, because mm-hmm. what we're doing is we're putting we're we're putting something either on, on armature or with clay or with with paint or with music or with a pen in some way. And regardless of what we're doing, I think as artists, those are self portraits of where we are. Mm-hmm. My paintings are going to tell me more about who, where my mind was than I can probably admit to or even identify. It's the same way in your work, I'm sure. There'll be days when things are bothering you or bothering me, and and it'll show up. It'll show up on the canvas. Or in the other days, I'll think, how in the world did I do that? Where did that that come? And and it was a success. Where did that come? Why didn't I write that down and duplicate it? But anyway that's the life of the life of an artist yeah that's uh boy a lot of stuff rolling around my head right now that is so very true i think about uh joshua entering the promised land chapter one nine be strong and very courageous all through that chapter uh the lord keeps encouraging him that you must have these traits to move into the promised land to move into where he was called to go and we have to do uh, the same thing uh, as well Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. That's a wonderful, wow. and that's a wonderful example that that we have examples in so much of our lives, and then we, and and it's written in front, right in front of us, and it's in words we can understand, read and understand, yeah. and there it is. And what are we going to do with that? Yeah, that's right. Know. That is right. Now, when you look at your work, what you're producing, how would you like to see your work influence the world for Christ? I would hope that somewhere that whatever, you know, I, I remember there's, there were, there are quotes in my head that, and, and some I've written down, in fact, to remind myself of what, what I'm thinking about during the day. Uh, Edward Degas, and I, this is one that I've used a number of times in my own head, art is not what you see but it's what you make others see. So mm-hmm. when we're purposeful, when my work has purpose in that I'm being honest with the subject, that's, 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 that is certainly purposeful. I'm being honest with the subject. That gives me an opportunity to, to put things down on the canvas. And you've had this happen to you. Artists tell me all the time it's happened to me you'll have that really spoke to me that piece of sculpture you did that painting that piece of music what were you thinking when you did that and mm. i thought oh i don't have an answer my answer is not the answer the answer is what it did for someone else what did others see so if there's some if it, if at some point they were connected with this piece of art music writing in some way, then that's the proof. That's the value. It's not what necessarily what I was thinking. It's what you saw, because that's the intention of all our work is for others to look at it and Mm -hmm. to somehow find something valuable, beautiful, uh, a story, a memory, whatever it is. That's, 
I mean, isn't that the purpose of what we do is to allow people to walk into the work, to listen to the work, to view this. And, and then that puts them somewhere else. And hopefully it's a, hopefully it's a beautiful place, but hopefully it has something that matters to them. And so how do I do that? By the grace of God, I, I, I can't, I don't know. I, I, honestly, I don't know some days. I just think I, I get up and try to tell the truth. And that's basically what I'm, that's my intention is just to tell the truth. Well, that's, that is certainly uh, something not only the world needs more of, but this idea of truth is so scriptural and being able to put that out there so that it does affect the world because uh, it's all empowered by the Lord. That's really great intention. I like well, that a lot. It is. You know, uh, there's a quote by Dostoevsky that a guy told me years ago, and I, it just kind of rings it. You know, the world would be saved by beauty. Mm. And, of course, that was in the book, The Idiot, and he was, he was a strong believer. And, and the beauty to me, of course, the original beauty to mm -hmm. me, of course, is Christ and his life and his death and his resurrection. That's the beauty to me that will save, that is saving the world. Mm -hmm. but, but there's an intrinsic beauty that we as artists, as creative people, I believe, have in our being that we can, we can be some part of that beauty. We can, we can, we can enable that beauty to be uh, seen on any number of levels and any number of examples. So that's beauty is an important part to my life as it is yours and all, all artists trying to, trying to, define beauty to someone that's that'll stop people and, and that'll stop them and they'll and maybe hold them for a minute until they can maybe their maybe their thoughts are turned to beauty at that point mm -hmm. yeah yeah that's really true and when you think about how the lord has not only in, and we live in a fallen world and the amount of beauty that's here you think about the garden of eden you think about the new world you as you go and, and look at all the descriptions of what the new heavens and the new earth are going to be like and that's it's his beauty everywhere yes uh and yeah so i that's that's really wonderful what uh, what you shared there david i like that a lot thank you uh, when uh we're getting ready to kind of all wrap it up here sure um, sure what are now when you look at you're, look, it's, you're going to lay a painting out in that. What are some things that you find important in good painting? Oh, uh, I think the first thing is if I'm not inspired by what I'm looking at, mm. either either in plain air or just walking around or in some way, if it doesn't stop me, consequently, I'm not going to be that, uh, I'm not going to be that convinced in my own mind that I can stop somebody else with it. So I have to be inspired first. And that can be any number of things. It, and it's the smallest to, so I have to, I have to be inspired first. I have to have some sort of giddy up. I got to have some energy in what I'm doing. Uh, of course the painting for me, it has to have good design and, and, and the color needs, the values need to be right. The color needs to be, uh, the temperature needs to be right. The, all those elements that have to be put next to each other and have them be harmonious in my mind 
and in vision that has to work. And then I always like the, the titles are very important to me. The, the title mm. of my paintings, uh, they very rarely come before the painting. They mostly are days after I'm finished with the painting. But uh, what I've learned is I have to I have to be just as inspired with the title as I was with the work. And sometimes the work tells me what the title is. But other times uh, I'll go to uh, there's one particular poet. Walt McDonald is his name. He was at Texas Tech, as a matter of fact, he was a poet laureate. And he, he my wife took him for, uh, took his class for uh, literature, uh, English mm. literature. And he, he was a Vietnam vet, but if he's from West Texas, and he happened to be in my dad's Bible class. So oh. I got acquainted with him. But so years later, when I started reading his poetry, I thought this really speaks to me. So I've got a collection of his books in my studio. And when I get, when I get to a point where I can't come up with a, a title that works, I'll just sit down with one of his books and I've read them hundreds of times over and over, but some word will just, there it is. Oh, and, wow. and so uh, those titles come to me by another form of beauty. Yes. Uh, uh, Walt McDonald's wordsmith, his, his, his composition of thought that, inspires me to in 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 the in my own uh, function as an artist to, to come up with titles to to i don't know create the title or at least uh, fabricate it from somebody else's mm -hmm. thoughts yeah so, so that's yeah. that's another part of what what i consider to be part of my painting is the title absolutely i that really there's a lot lot there to think about david i like that a lot um because some people are real flippant about the titles on that, and I think they are. They can. Be, they're really critical. Uh, they are to me. They are. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's right. Who from history would you like to have as a mentor or learn from in both your art and your faith? Oh my. Okay. Uh, I've I've read this question fourteen times. I've <laughs> come up with about fourteen different answers. But you know, I think from a spiritual, creative place, uh -huh. uh, Solomon. And, oh. and the ten and and his wisdom of his own words. Mm -hmm. Now we all know Solomon's life, or those that have read Solomon's life, and it there, there were times where he, as I have, wandered off into the weeds. Mm -hmm. But but by and large, his his design of the temple and and, and as an artistic uh, endeavor. I certainly, I certainly think of Noah. I mean, my goodness, Noah said, "The Lord, you're out in the desert. Oh, by the way, I want you to build this boat." Mm -hmm. And uh, there's not an, you know, I don't have any engineer. I don't have an engineering staff over here, or an architect, or I don't have, you know, a designer. So you're just going to have to depend on me to build this. And and if you've seen the ark that's in Kentucky, mm -hmm. that's the replica that we look at, the the example of that. You think that's about that's a piece of art. Mm -hmm. So artistically those two men and then or spiritually and artistic but i think if if i had to as a mentor uh of course any of the illustrators uh nc wyatt but i really gravitate toward uh guys like uh nc wyatt andrew wyatt uh sergeant uh, mm. all those guys that could spell they they could spell words with a brush 
and I, I use that in a metaphor that they they they, they could they could start a music they they could start a musical score with one stroke of the brush Soroya mm-hmm. Walking mm-hmm. Soroya I mean I I I'd have so many people at the dinner table with me as mentors that I probably wouldn't get around to all of them to speak to but there's any <laughs> that would be quite a party David that's uh, yeah that sounds well, you, pretty good. I, I I'd I'd hope you would come. And, and oh man, I'd be there. Woo. We'll 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 uh, we'll enjoy the we'll enjoy the wisdom together. And anyway, oh, those, yeah. I I still gravitate back towards Harvey Dunn and and those guys that 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 spoke with a brush that were used as illustrators that that and and Wyeth and and those people that continually inspire me today. And that's not the extent of my. Uh, mentorship but they certainly were the most powerful ones i think in my in my own uh, uh, uh learning to be an artist hmm. now what's uh kind of a, a final word of encouragement you have for those that are listening well i would say if, if find a creative outlet I, I don't say this out of any kind of uh uh I don't say it as a as a uh, an authoritative declar- declaration. I just say find something creative in your life and pursue that as a hobby. I know in my own life that painting has been w- w- wonderful to me. It's wonderful therapy. I can I can express myself in a way that I never could before, if, even if it's a hobby. Find find a way to, to, to do that. You're, you're going to enrich your own life and the other and the lives of other people when you do that. You there are, there you have something to say. Everyone has something to say, something valuable to say. Your whatever you say is you have him something important to say that somebody needs to hear either on the page, music, musically, in a sculpture as a painting you have something to say i would say find an avenue make time Mm. for that it it will that bread on the water that you throw out on the water is going to come back to you in baskets and buckets and truckloads of blessings that you just you know nothing about until you actually pursue that that's that's what's happened in my own life so that's the only truth i can speak to in that regard Mm. that's good though that is really good. Now, how can we pray for you? Well, uh, you certainly to be a better voice uh, for uh, God's kingdom, and and I think that's if if I was to distill it down, just to be a to be a better uh, example, to be. Uh, a servant leader to be, uh, to be willing to help people. Uh, all those things that that my intentions are good. My desire is to do that, but mm-hmm. I, I I don't do that enough. Uh, we all struggle in our faith, and my faith is being tested right now by a situation in my little church in Dallas, and so. If you find that convenient in time, I would ask that you would pray for some uh, wisdom in that regard. Okay, uh, uh, specifically, to bear, be a better father, be a better friend, be a better 
uh, brother. Uh, all those all those things are important to me, and 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 I want to be. Uh, I'm glad the Lord has seen fit to let me draw another breath where I can try to be a little better tomorrow than I was today in that regard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's but that's great, David. Okay, disciples. Now we know what we're going to be praying for. That's just super. How can how can we keep in touch with you, David? Well, there's any number of ways. You certainly have. I have a website, uh, davidgriffinstudio.com. Uh, if you're wanting to look at paintings uh, uh, on Instagram, it's David R. Griffin. Instagram at, at David R. Griffin. But uh, if you want to send me an email and, and, and talk about what we've talked about today, David Griffin Studio at sbcglobal.net. I, I'd love to hear from people. You don't know how inspiring it is to hear others' stories of their own artistic endeavors. That inspires me beyond, uh, I mean, in, in innumerable ways. So I'd love to have conversations or start one or become, if, and if I can help anyone uh, with their work, I, I would love to do that too. So uh, don't feel uh uncomfortable about contacting me um as we all are sometimes i'll get to the phone immediately sometimes it'll be a return call but if that's if that's something someone needs i'd be glad to be of any kind of help i can well that boy that's just great david i'm sure people are gonna they're gonna be so encouraged by everything you shared uh it's just great. David, I just, I so appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on the show uh, and for sharing everything you did. You know, we, we could have gone on for a long time. There's just so many things there that you shared. I know that will encourage people. Thank you so much. Kurt, you're, you're a wonderful brother to me now and, and a wonderful example. And I'm grateful that what, for what you're doing, you inspire people every week and, and your commitment to that is, is uh, something that's really a, a noble uh, cause, and 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 I love to find out and read about what you're what you're doing. So thank you for letting me be a part of this. Uh, I'm 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 grateful and very humbled by the whole fact. Well, thanks so much, and disciples, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. Now, don't forget to share or give a review of the podcast on your favorite platform because that sharing and reviewing will get it seen by other people. There's somebody that, boy, you've listened to what David shared, and man, you know they need to hear it. Boy, send the podcast, share it with them. You can keep in touch with me on Instagram or on Gab at The Creator's Calling. The music on the podcast is by Chris Matson Worship, and you can follow him on Instagram or on YouTube at Chris Matson Worship. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss a single episode. And please, join me next time as together we follow Jesus and listen for the Creator's Calling. Bye for now.